You're going to win some and you're going to lose some. And it's the people that are by your side that you decide to call brothers and sisters that are going to hold you up and that are going to elevate you and that are going to be your friends and that are going to be your support system and that you don't have to go through this alone. Hello, welcome back to Mostly Balanced with Carly and Mia. Hi, welcome back. Episode 15. Yes. Oh my God. I was listening to Girls Gotta Eat the other day and I don't remember what episode number it was. I think it was like 40 or something. And they said, welcome back and everything. And then one of them was like, remember when we used to say our episode number in the beginning of every episode? (laughs) I mean, it's exciting. Every week is an exciting milestone. (laughs) I'm already losing track though. I know, but this will be a great episode. We're so excited. We recorded with Gideon Akande, and he is the best. He really is the best. We've loved all of our guests, and we always say this is one of our favorites, but I actually think this is my favorite to date. It was just such a fun conversation, and then we always listen to them, obviously, after we record when we're editing and everything like that, but I listened to this as soon as we stopped recording. I was so excited to listen to it because I was going out for a walk anyway, and I just put it on, and it was so good. I can't wait for everyone to hear Yeah. And funny, when he was talking about going to Holy Cross and playing football, I realized that he probably knew my brother-in-law, which we connected about after the episode, which was funny. So my family's really excited. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I think we talked a little bit about this on the episode, but I first connected with Gideon just by going to one of his shadow box classes here in Chicago. He's an instructor there. And I only went to one of his classes in person, which we actually kind of laughed about before we started recording recording because I went to one but first of all I don't go to that many group fitness classes in general just because I'm a big runner and fitness classes are so expensive that I only really go to them when I love them I loved his class but I started going every (laughs) Saturday morning to another instructor Noah who I loved also but both of them have been doing virtual workouts over the course of past five months or so since COVID started and both of them are insane like the workouts have me sweating more than I would in the studio and most of the ones I've done have been like 30 minutes classes but they really like use every single minute of the class yeah and we talked about that a little bit how boxing I thought in the beginning of COVID that was going to be a class that was really hard to adapt for work from home because I used to box a ton I boxed for like two straight years that was my sole workout at title boxing and I don't think titles really done anything over COVID so I'm really happy to see classes like Shadowbox have adapted and you can really make that workout so effective and so hard without the heavy bag and without the gloves. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool to see. So we're excited for you to listen to it, but before we get into it, we'll just catch up on a few things from the past week. So we always like to mention new things that we're trying. For me, it's not really a new thing, but something I've been using more lately. So I got back to Chicago, I guess a week ago, I came back from New York, I flew and I was a little bit anxious about it. I had been flying so much before COVID just because I travel with my job and also because I'm from New York living in Chicago. So I was going home a lot. And so flying had kind of become like nothing to me and I didn't really ever get anxious. But I think this time, just because of everything going on, it was like even more in my head and definitely was not impressed by American. American Airlines, but that's a story for another day. (laughs) So since I got back here, of course, I started to realize all the things that I forgot to bring back with me. And one of them is my CBD. My favorite kind is Beam. And I usually just use a tincture and I'll do it usually in the morning. When I was going to the office every day, it would be like every morning at the same time when I got there. But over COVID, it's kind of been like whenever I feel like I need it which was usually in the morning and then before bed. But anyway, I forgot it. So what I do have here is the Beam Dream Powder. And I had used it a couple times before, but I just never really like got super into the habit of it because I was already in the habit of using the tincture. But now I've been using it almost every night and it helps so much. Plus it tastes really good. So it's a powder that if you want to mix it with your favorite nut milk or regular milk or just mix it with water, which is usually what I do. And it has like a cacao flavor. So it tastes like chocolate. It really just tastes It's like a healthy hot chocolate and it really puts me like right to sleep. I've been having the best sleep since I got back here. I sleep through the night every night, which is very irregular for me. So I'm a big fan. I'm loving it. Yeah, that sounds like something I definitely need to try with my quest to fall asleep faster and have better sleep. Yes, and it tastes really good. So it's like if you're one of those people that want like a sweet treat after dinner, mm-hmm. I've been doing this instead. And I mean, it's still really hot out, but it's kind of like, like I said, a healthy hot chocolate. I like it a lot. Yeah, I love that. 
My new thing this week, we are working with Zoom. So Zoom sent us tahini and this new date syrup that they have. So I use the date syrup actually instead of my normal honey drizzle on my almond butter toast. And it has less sugar than maple syrup, less sugar than honey. It's 100% dates, no additives. So I really liked it. I love the flavor and it just added something different to my day. And then I made tahini banana bread with the tahini. So that was really good. I actually am dying to have some of that after we record because I just worked out. By the way, I just did a 60-minute salt drop class. After doing 30 minutes, those <laughs> are so hard. But yeah. yeah. I can't really figure out the benefit for me now of doing 60 minutes because I've gotten so used to doing 30 and 45. And I'm like, am I really going to benefit more from the extra 15 minutes? So for me, it's like a time saver, I feel like, doing the shorter ones. But I can imagine that 60 minutes probably had you very exhausted after. Yeah. I mean, I didn't mean to talk about salt drop again in this intro. <laughs> But yeah, on the weekends, I like to do longer format just because I have more time and there's just more moves that I like to practice. And it was so hard. And then we were doing burpees at the end and I thought we were done and we had 16 more. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I sometimes don't do the burpees. I'll do like whatever the modification is. I'm not a huge burpee fan, but was it a class with Dino? Yes, it was fun. Well, that banana bread sounds amazing. I've been really, really into tahini lately. So I'll mm-hmm. put it in my smoothies and I'll put it in my banana bread too, or I'll bake different things with it. And Zoom is definitely my favorite. I love the consistency of it because it's very creamy and it's mm-hmm. easy to mix into things like that. Yeah, that's actually what I really loved when I was using it. Normally you have to really mix it up, but this texture is really great, especially yeah. for baking. And the date syrup is also very good, not to talk about so many different things that we love, but when I have my copina matcha I mix the date syrup in with it and it's like a nice little added sweetener yeah and then we also tried a new workout so we tried rock that body which we had been wanting to try for a while it's similar to a lot of the workouts that we like it's kind of like a has a pilates-esque movements in it and then it has some weight training sculpting they have dance cardio classes but we tried one of the 30 minute sculpting and toning classes which was very arm heavy but Mm -hmm. I liked that a lot because I've been trying to work out my arms more and so we did it together over zoom which was fun yeah that was fun and yeah her classes range from 10 to 60 minutes so all the things we like short format classes a lot of variety and yes a lot of my classes have been like solely body weight so I liked that this was heavy in the arms and using light weight so yeah it was just three pound weights but you can tell like your arms get so tired when you're doing all those repetitive movements like with those classes where you use lighter weights you just don't put the weights down like you're holding them up for so long but it was fun to do it over zoom and I think that's pretty much all that's new with me so I'm gonna be in Chicago for another two weeks and then I'll be heading back to New York and looking for apartments in New York City and I think I'll probably spend a good amount of time in New Paltz because October is the best time of year in New Paltz. My family owns a farm and we do like the pumpkin picking and all the fun activities. So I'll enjoy some more time with the family and then hopefully be neighbors with Mia. Yeah, I can't wait. Yes, I'm loving Brooklyn. I love my apartment. My life has been so much better since moving here. But yes, I'll also spend some time with family in September. My sister is actually coming from LA, they decided. So they're coming for a few weeks in September. So I'll definitely spend time out there in September, which is also still great at the beach. I was going to say that's probably the best time of year to be there. Usually I feel like because there's like probably less people, but the weather is still so nice. Yes, definitely. I'm excited. Well, we know you're going to love this episode. And like we always say, feel free to reach out if you guys have any questions about anything we talk about on here. A lot of these products and brands and workout classes that we talk about, we have codes for, and a lot of them do free trials and discounts on your first order and everything like that. So any questions, reach out to us on Instagram. Our handle is mostly underscore balanced. And don't forget to rate and review the podcast if you're liking it. And we hope you enjoy the episode. Yes, definitely. Thank you so much for listening. And we know you'll love Giddy. Hi, welcome back. Today we're here with a very funny guest and special guest, Gideon Akande, who is a fitness and wellness coach. 
What's up? I'm so excited to be here with you ladies. It's going to be a good conversation. I'm looking forward to this. Yes. Welcome to Mostly Balanced. We're so excited to have you. Do you want to start maybe just by telling our guests a little bit about yourself? I guess I will. Thank you. My name is Gideon Akande, fitness and wellness coach, as Mia has said, from Chicago, Illinois, born and raised, where I played a lot of sports in high school, wrestled, ran track, played football, and received a Division I football scholarship to play at College of the Holy Cross where I graduated with a political science degree and worked in sales and finance back in Chicago for four and a half years before I left that world and joined the world of fitness to pursue my passion of athletics, competition, sport, and becoming a personal trainer. And I won the Chicago Golden Gloves Boxing Championship two years in a row in 2013, 2014, won the Men's Health Next Top Trainer Competition in 2015, and came out with my own fitness project called Riptensity through the Men's Health brand where I served up 30-minute workouts for men and women of all fitness levels and all body weight. So that was a lot of fun. And from then, I started working as an independent personal trainer, group fitness instructor, brand ambassador, and try to inspire and motivate people through online workouts on demand. Wow. Wow. (laughs) busy guy. (laughs) That is an impressive resume. Oh, thank you. I'm trying my best. I love what I do, and I'm very fortunate to have the opportunity to do it at this level. Yeah. I mean, you're so engrossed in the fitness industry as a brand ambassador. You have your own program. But when you mentioned you went to school and had a completely different focus and started in sales, did you always want to get into this career path or did it kind of just happen spontaneously? It absolutely happened spontaneously. Did not know that fitness was even a career path, to be honest with you. And a lot of things that I'm doing now, I had no idea were even opportunities when I first got into personal training. But again, as I said, I'm a political science major in college. And uh, initially, it was to go the government law route. I decided I didn't want to do that after a couple of internships while I was in college. Came back to Chicago, worked in sales. I still wanted to work with people, still wanted to have an entrepreneurial type career path. But I also quickly realized the burnout in corporate America is real. And I didn't really have a passion for what I was doing. So I knew that, all right, I need to get back to what draws me and wakes me up and gets me excited every single day. And that happened to be movement and all types of movement. And that's when I decided to help people change their lives through fitness, change their confidence levels through fitness, and just inspire them through exercise. From there, I found out that there's so much more that can happen through this industry and uh, I'm exploring every single bit of it. Wow, that is really cool. And while you were in more of the corporate world doing sales and finance, what role did fitness play in your life at that time? Yeah, so it was played in helping me keep my sanity, that's for sure. And helping me manage my waistline also. (laughs) If you can imagine, when you're a collegiate athlete, your sport is a full-time job. You know, you are training in-season and competing. You are training off-season to stay in shape and to prepare yourself for whatever's coming up next. And there's no such thing as downtime. And when you are done playing your sport, what are you training for? What do you continue to do to stay in shape? What do you continue to do to stay motivated and driven? It's not like you have a game coming up on Saturday that you can prepare for. And sometimes you'll lose that motivation. You don't have teammates around you anymore. You don't have facilities to access as easily and frequently as you once did. So how do you keep that same motivation while still trying to develop a name and a life for yourself post-college? So I knew that exercise was something that can always come back to, something I was good at and something that I'm familiar with. But um, at the same time, too, it's like you have other responsibilities and fitness has to almost fall on the back burner in certain regards, especially when you're trying to establish yourself as a young man in the world. So, uh, yeah, fitness helped me keep my sanity and helped me kind of just keep my head on. But after a while, it was like, all right, now it's starting to drift further and further away from my norm. How do I bring that back? And I brought it back aggressively by making it my career. Yeah, I feel like that must be so hard when you've identified as an athlete your whole life, then kind of transitioning out of that and trying to figure out what place it plays in your life. Yeah, a lot of people struggle with that. It's very real. I mean, you ask any athlete at any level what it's like to no longer play their sport and they'll miss it. You know, it's very much part of your DNA. It's part of who you are. You know, you can't tell your story without writing that in. And when it's no longer there, some people struggle with identity issues. Some people struggle with self-worth and self-validation. And, um, you know, it's a real thing. So there's a mental side of it along with the physical side that one must consider. Right. No, that's definitely so true if it's your whole life and then suddenly you have other priorities. But Carly and I, we just talked about how 
whether it's self-care, whether it's exercise, you really have to make a point to prioritize that, like even build it into your schedule. So you hold yourself accountable. So I love that that was something that you kept up when you were in the corporate world. But how did you go about making that change? You said it was pretty spontaneous, but I imagine that was a pretty challenging decision to leave behind a career path and then pursue something that had some unknowns. Yeah, any type of change is very scary. It's very concerning. You know, you have to kind of gather your confidence and, and make that change. And I think a lot of us are experiencing that now, if not for the first time, yet again. The world we live in, everything is very, very different. The world we knew six months ago, just six months ago, is very different from what we're living in today and how we adjust, how we adapt how we maneuver and pivot is the big word nowadays. How we pivot is indicative of where we're going to go and how we're going to overcome what our current situation is. So when I was first making that transition from corporate America, I'm a very calculated young man. I try not to just do things on a whim or on a pulse. And I knew that I wanted to get into fitness, but I had no idea what that meant and what that experience may look like. And luckily for me, a friend of mine her sister has been a personal trainer for over 10 years at that point and was a great resource for me. She was someone I could bounce ideas off of. What does a schedule look like? What type of money can you make? What's the difference between teaching one-on-one -on -one as a personal trainer versus teaching group fitness classes? What certifications do I need? What is it like working with people? Is it easy? Does everybody have random and weird personalities? You know, do I have to be at the beck and call of my clients? Like all the things that you just don't know that they don't teach you in textbooks, that real life experience means a lot and it, it helps you understand whether or not it is for you. And then also having the opportunity to just shadow and have those behind the scenes experiences where I can step into a class and just kind of sit in the background and, and watch her do her thing and say like, oh, I can see myself doing that. Or you know what? I'm actually not in love with that side of fitness. So being able to have that liaison, if you will, into the fitness industry helped out leaps and bounds to giving me the confidence I needed to make that step. Yeah, definitely. I can imagine. And I apologize if you said this earlier, but how long ago was this that you made that transition? Yeah. So I became a personal trainer in 2010. Oh, wow. So you've been doing this for a while, 10 years. Yeah, a decade. I think so I you've probably seen the industry change a lot. I mean, like you just said, even in the past six months, it's changed a ton. But over the past 10 years, I can imagine that there have been a lot of changes. So have you seen a big change going from more one-on-one -on -one to more group fitness since you started? That's a great question. I can't say that necessarily because as much as the industry has been changing, I've also been changing with my roles. Um, I started off as a personal trainer for maybe two or three years before I added group fitness instructor to my resume. And then maybe two or three years after that is when I started working with brands and doing more brand partnerships, brand ambassadorships, et cetera. And then now I'm you know, working virtually and digitally. So I've changed as well as the fitness industry has changed. I wouldn't say that our changes have been side by side, but you know, there's been a lot of transition for sure. Of course, with the explosion of social media within the last 10 years, that's a big thing. Um, and people who are highly credible and people who do not deserve to be on any platforms alike <laughs> are being considered fitness professionals, right? So there's a lot of information to cipher between. There is a lot of accounts to watch, review, and you know decide whether or not they are going to be your main source of information and inspiration. But the fact of the matter is, it's out there. And the world is very different. Everybody's accessible. You can shoot a DM to your favorite movie star you know, whether or not they see it is a whole different thing, but at least you have that direct line of access. And, um, you know, everything is consumed in your hand, on your tablet, on your smartphone, you know, in front of your desk, on your computer. So the consumption of information and the access to information and experiences, yoga, CrossFit, you know, high intensity interval training, you name it, are all at your fingertips. Yeah, definitely. That's even actually how I got into boxing was because of ClassPass and seeing social media and seeing that boxing had kind of become a really up and coming trend within the past, I would say, five to 10 years. And how has that been for you? You were a competitive boxer. Now boxing is this trendy boutique fitness class. There's so many studios you teach with one of them. But what has that been like seeing boxing become a bit more of a normal standard fitness class? Yeah, let me give you some context. So I picked up the sport of boxing when I want to say it was 2012, I would like to say 2012. Yeah. And uh, the situation was I picked up the sport of boxing 
not because I grew up boxing, but because I really wanted to fill the void, the competitive void that football left. I wanted to play a sport. I wanted to be judged on my performance. I wanted there to be a winner or a loser. I wanted to have something to train for, and I wanted there to be contact. <laughs> and boxing was one of those sports where I can continue working my jobs. At the time, I was doing sales and transitioning into fitness by you know, working my moonlighting hours, if you will. And I was able to still work my training schedule in terms of training for boxing around everything else I had as responsibilities. So I didn't need, you know, 10 other guys like you do with football. I didn't need referees and, you know, all this equipment in order to train. I could shadow box. I can jump rope. I can go to the gym by myself and spend time on the heavy bag as much as I need to. I can move around the ring on my own time. So the fact is uh, boxing can be done fairly easily and at any time of the day or night. So allowing me to get into boxing and fill that competitive void was the transition that I made very, very late in the game. I was 26 years old when I started boxing. Most boxers who take it seriously and who win championships and go on professionals, they start, you know, when they're six or seven years old. So I was definitely behind the eight ball, but it was something that I wanted to try and venture off into. And if I was no good, I would be no good. If I happen to be good, that's great. But it wasn't really about being successful in it. It was about challenging myself, doing something new and, and really testing who I am as an athlete. You really caught up. Yeah, I was fortunate enough where I feel like my maturity, because I wouldn't call myself an old man, but my maturity uh, allowed me to be level-headed in certain regards. My experience with sports in general allowed me to use my athleticism and transfer some of my skill from football into the boxing ring. Very different sports, but also, you know, very applicable in, in certain senses. And to answer your question, um, so when I look at boxing now and what it's like in a boutique setting, you know, it's very different. You know, boxing for fitness and boxing for competition for sport are night and day. And it's cool. If you want to be a, if you want to use boxing as a means to stay in shape and you just want to punch something and you want to get some stress out, I am not mad at you. But I also want everyone to understand that stepping into the ring and competing against somebody else is a very, very different field and it requires a very different discipline. So if somebody says they want to box, the first question I ask them is like, hey, do you want to box because you want to learn to do it properly? You want to learn the sweet science, the footwork, the, the combinations, the whole nine? Or are you boxing because it may look good on Instagram? And there's nothing wrong with that. Or because you just want to use it as a general means to stay in shape. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. And then the difference between those two is the difference in which I will coach them in terms of the intensity and, and the focus versus, you know, mixing in body weight exercises or, you know, having them go for speed and not necessarily being too so concerned with the technique. So there's a mindset that an athlete who plays a sport is going to approach that sport. But when people do it for leisure or do it not with that same DNA, if you will, then there's a different approach for that as well. Right. Do you still do competitive boxing? So I don't compete anymore, but I still train in boxing. So I'll hit the heavy bag, I'll jump rope, I'll run the miles, I'll shadow box, but I'm not punching other people anymore. Cool. I'm definitely the type that likes to box to get my anger out and punch something. I love that you said boxing, you don't necessarily need the equipment because especially when the pandemic happened and we were quarantined, I started to think about these boxing studios, like you need the gloves, you need the heavy bag, but Mm -hmm. I love that you said you don't. So how have those studios really adapted to giving rigorous workouts without having that studio space with physical equipment? Yeah, that's a great question. So working with Shadowbox, I've had the opportunity to lead virtual classes with them since everything went down in March. And what that looks like is just adjusting, right? We talked about pivoting, making transitions, and finding ways to to still swim uh, while, you know, situation makes you feel like you're drowning. And one of those ways to do it is to provide boxing-inspired classes, understanding that you may not have a heavy bag, You may not have gloves, but you necessarily don't need them in order to still feel challenged and to still learn boxing in the proper way. So by shadow boxing, you still have the same combinations. You still have the same technique, except there's no impact in terms of punching anything. And you can also make the exercises and the workouts more challenging by grabbing canned goods, by grabbing water bottles. If you have hand weights at home, you can use those as well, too. And intermixing body weight exercises that a boxer would do to help stay in shape. So your core work, your lower body work, working on your pivoting, the combinations, making sure your stance and your movement are sound are all things that you can not only 
help tone the body, but help you tone the mind as well, too, and take your mind off the fact of everything that's going on in your life and otherwise for that mental break. Yeah, I do have to say that I, in the start of the pandemic, when everyone was kind of transitioning to doing things from home, I was very impressed by the fitness industry, by a lot of the studios that I saw what they were doing. Like, I honestly felt like they adapted quicker than like some of the corporate companies that I and my friends work for. Like corporate companies were like scrambling to figure out how to do a Zoom call and do everything virtually. And all you're doing is like sitting down doing the same thing you would do in an office. Whereas these fitness studios are figuring out how to teach boxing classes without gloves or bags. And I feel like it's actually been, in my opinion, really cool to see the way that people have started to adapt and do things from home. And Mia and I have talked about it a bunch that like, we've gotten really used to it. And we actually really like working out from home. And I would never have guessed that six months ago. Yeah, it's very interesting. I mean, when you think of a fitness professional, right, those who are personal trainers, those who are teaching group fitness classes, we're, we're all entrepreneurs. And we're all solopreneurs. And we have to find ways to attract clients. We have to find ways to stay relevant. We have to find ways to keep our doors open and keep our offering exciting. So when something like this happens, we're very quick to think on our feet because we have to do it all the time in a class. When someone is injured, we have to think of exercises and variations for them to do so they feel involved. If the music stops playing, we have to find ways to keep the class engaged and energized, right? If something starts flying all over the room, we still have to keep our composure and still maintain command of the room. So we're very well equipped to adjust and adjust on the fly and and keep ourselves thriving. Right. So much of that really is that entrepreneurial mind and really staying relevant and on the pulse. And I feel like you have done that with so many areas of your life now. You mentioned it in the beginning, but you have your own workout. You teach at a studio. So What is it like to really work for yourself and juggle all these balls in the air that you have? Yeah, yeah, it's a challenge and it's not for everyone. (laughs) I'll tell you that. My fiance, she works for a company. She has her set up at home and, you know, when things are going great, fantastic. When she doesn't like things that are going on, I'm going to hear about it. And for me, it's more like, well, if you don't like it, then, you know, how can you change it? I'm so solution-based, so solution-oriented. Like, all right, how can we get the process to change? Or what recommendation can I give you so that things change? And she's like, well, I'm telling you this, but it's not going to change. I'm just venting. But for me, it's like, what do you mean it's not going to change? If something is broken or something is not working right or something can be more efficient, you just change it right away and you get it back on track. Because I answer to myself, because I'm an entrepreneur. And if something's not working with my business or working with the way I want things to flow, then I just make that adjustment. Whereas, you know, if you work in a company, well, there's yellow tape, there's red tape, there's bosses and there's bosses' bosses and there's processes and there's, you know, legal and there's all of that stuff that makes things more complicated and and just a slower process. And again, there's nothing wrong with having a boss. There's nothing wrong with working for a company. It's just, that's not for me. And I very much enjoy what I do. I very much love the autonomy that comes with being able to set my own schedule with being able to take on my own clients and say yes or no to the project that I'm most interested in. And, you know, the variety that comes in my day is so unique. Again, I have personal training. I could teach group fitness classes. Maybe I jump on a plane and I film workouts for someone or I lead a fitness festival in this city or that city. Maybe I go online and I teach a class from the comfort of my home to people who are watching all over the world. Maybe people are working out with me on their Nordic track equipment as they run on the treadmill or as they cycle on their incline bike. So, The ways in which I'm able to reach people and access people through fitness and the variety of those ways just gets me excited because my days are never the same. Now, at the same time, too, there is the challenge that comes with, all right, I do my own invoices. Okay, my website is broken. How do I fix that? All of a sudden, I'm Googling and YouTubing how to get my website up and running. I am not a web designer by any means, but you start to wear certain hats. Okay, now I need to get outdoor speakers and I need to record these workouts and stream them while also coaching live in-person classes. How do I make sure that people that are watching me through a camera and people who are there in person both feel engaged? I'm lugging my equipment from one place to another. You know, I'm getting parking tickets because I was trying to get to the next session on time and I parked in the wrong spot. Like there's so much to keep your head wrapped around, but the reward is, is worth the risk for me. Yeah, everything you were saying at first, I'm like, wow, sign me up. And I'm sure everyone listening thinks the same thing, like being able to set your own schedule and no two days are ever the same. I mean, 
I guess everyone's different. So not everyone would want that, but it does take a specific person to really be able to do all of like the grind of it and be behind the scenes and figuring out how to build your website and billing and everything like that, that I feel like, like I said, takes a unique person. But I'm curious for you specifically, what would your ideal day of work be? That's a great question. I wouldn't say that I'm not happy with the way my days are now. And I've been very fortunate that over the years, I've worked towards the schedule I have now. And the schedule I have now is not by any means flawless. You know, there's always going to be hiccups in the way you want the day to go. But I remember once upon a time, and when I first started my fitness career as a personal trainer, I would be up at 4.30 to be at the gym by 5.15, 5.30 to teach my first client. And I would have sessions through the morning. I'm talking about five, six, seven, eight a.m. I would probably grab breakfast around 10, 10 30, maybe a little bit of a break during the day while I'm working on certifications or reading up and making sure my knowledge stays up to date. And then come back in the afternoon around three or four o'clock and work from four, five till 10 p.m. You know, and as you're a budding trainer, you're not making a lot of money. You're grinding, you're trying to build your business, you're trying to get to the next tier so you can make some more money and hopefully over time work less. And I remember my Saturday specifically, you know, the day that everybody rests and has to themselves, I'm up at 7 a.m. Actually, I'm up at 6 a.m. for my 7 a.m. client. I'll probably train from 7 till noon. By the time I'm done, I'm exhausted. My Saturday's gone. Sunday is the only day I have a rest that I'm at church that day and doing whatever I need to do to prepare for the rest of the week. So it was a grind. It was very much a grind. It was a long grind. But eventually, you know, you start to offer more, you start to make more, you start to have better and more unique opportunities, you start to condense your schedule. Right now, I focus solely on the mornings. So I'm an early riser. I have my first client at either 6 a.m. or 5.45 a.m. And I'm usually done with my morning by, let's say, 10, 30, 11. And then the rest of the day is to myself. Don't get me wrong, work is not done just because I'm not training people. There's time to plan, there's time to strategize, there's time to pitch, and there's time to work on whatever I have interest in. So before it was take on anybody and everybody because we're looking to stay afloat. And now it's what do I want to work on? What am I actually excited about? Who do I believe in and that believes in me? And how do we partner together as opposed to just finding anything to keep me afloat? Right. I feel like with such a busy schedule like that, and when you work for yourself and you're responsible for all of that, maybe that does sound like really overwhelming and busy, but I feel like when it's your passion, you're driven to get all of those things done. But I'm curious about how you manage to fit in any level of self-care and relaxing into your day, because I imagine you have an endless to-do list and you do have all these things to learn and figure out and get done for yourself. So where do your rest days or where does time for you fall? Yeah, that's a great question. For a very long time, I didn't know how to manage that. For a very long time, it was always go, go, go for me. And it's a challenge. It was a challenge and it is a challenge because I very much enjoy what I do. I very much enjoy the time that I spend one-on-one with people or teaching a class because if you're smiling and I'm smiling at you, how could you not say you're having a good time? You know, like my smile is genuine, your smile is genuine. We're running around, we're moving around, we're sweating, or you're sweating, and I'm just watching you, coaching you, and you're feeling exhilarated, and you're having a good time. Like, how can I not be happy as a coach, right? I'm giving you what you want. I'm happy because of your success. And I'm a people person. So the time I'm spending with people is very much enjoyable. So when people say like, hey, find what you love, and you never have to work a day in your life, don't get me wrong, it's still work. You know, you're still on your feet. You're still grinding, hustling. You're still going from one place to another. So it's work. But it's not painstaking work. You know, it's work you actually enjoy. So when it's like, hey, Gideon, why don't you go sit on a beach somewhere? It's like, that's cool. And there's a time for that. But I really enjoy what I do. Like, is there anything wrong with that? I don't think so. But at the same time, too, there is a level of sanity that you need to maintain. And it's always good to take a break and do something different. So for a long time, I struggled with, hey, I don't have to work all the time. And probably I shouldn't work all the time so that I can actually have my cup refilled so I can pour it back into others. And I learned that very, very quickly from my now fiance, soon to be wife. She taught me that, hey, you need to continue to work, continue to grind, do whatever you need to do, but make sure that you schedule that time that's important for our relationship, for your friends, for your family, for your faith. Otherwise, you know, you are missing out on things that are really important. And that's true. Because at the end of the day, your clients will move to other cities, they'll change jobs, they may no longer need your services. And while you enjoy them and love them and they love you and enjoy you, 
that relationship may end at some point in time. And if it does, who are you left with? The people that matter most, the situations, the circumstances, the relationships that have long lasting implications on your life. And one can't forget that. That's such good advice. I had a feeling it might have come from your now fiance. I feel like that's somebody who would teach you that you need to make time for (laughs) self-care. Because like you said, if you're not filling up your cup, then you can't fill up other people's. So that's really important. And I can imagine that would be difficult too, if you are doing something that you love so much, because you might not feel that burnout that somebody who is in a job that doesn't really technically light them up might feel day to day. So sometimes you do have to stop and remind yourself to do something for you to do something that makes you feel good outside of work, even if work itself does make you feel good too. That's so true. Yeah, it's just that balance, you know, and it's a good, healthy balance. And like I was talking about having the opportunity to do a lot of different things in fitness. Well, now I don't feel like I've ever been burned out with personal training because there's group fitness for me. I don't feel like I'm burned out with group fitness because there's brand partnerships and brand ambassadorships. I don't feel like I'm burned out with that because there's always something unique and different for me to attempt. And I think that's the same thing with life too. Like take a break from what you do on a day-to-day basis so that it can help give you fresh ideas and a new energy to attack it later on. Yeah. Right. I love that. And I feel like you are involved with so many things and the versatility and the variety that you have that keeps you going and keeps you from having that burnout. It's really important. Do you have any goals that you want to get involved in and add even more variety to your schedule? Yeah, yeah, I do. So I'm working on some things now, but I'm trying to find a space in Chicago. And specifically what I'm looking for is a recording space. Now that we are going into a different way of life, if you will, I think everyone's going to be more conscious about who they are around, where they go, who else is around them, what the capacity is like, how clean it is, etc. I feel like there's going to be a lot that we do at home nowadays. And granted, we're human, so we're always going to crave human interaction, but it may be limited interaction. Whereas before you would be fine with going to a crowded place with a bunch of strangers and just sharing that energy. Well, maybe we don't go to those places anymore. Maybe it's people we know. And maybe we only socialize with people we know in that type of capacity. So with that being said, you know, we watch movies at home now as opposed to going to the theaters. And we see releases at home and we have subscriptions to this, that, and the other. We don't go to gyms as much now. We're working out from home, et cetera. So having a space and creating a space where creators like me in the fitness space and in the health and nutrition space can have a home to record their content and to release their content to their followers and not necessarily have to empty out their savings account in order to do it is something that I think is very much needed. And hopefully I can help provide a home for that. Wow. Yeah, that's a really cool idea. And that all I think is true when you think about the future of everything, not just fitness, but like you said, movies, like I really do miss going to the movies though. And I hope that eventually that could happen again. But like you said, I don't imagine people are going to go to crowded spaces with a lot of people they don't know. It'll probably be with people that they do know and a much more different environment than before. So kind of changing the subject a little bit, just because I was lucky enough to take a class with you, like we talked about before we started recording in person and then a few virtually as well. And so I can say firsthand that you are very motivating And even just hearing you talk now in a regular conversation outside of the studio, I feel like you do have like that very motivating personality in general, not just for workout classes. So I'm curious how you stay motivated. And if you have days when you feel kind of off, but you still have to bring that energy and that vibe for your clients, what helps you do that? Yeah, well, thank you. I appreciate that. I love what I do. So that's really going to help make things easier. If you hate what you do, it's hard to even fake it if you wanted to. It's hard to present a motivated front, if you will. And how I stay motivated, to be honest with you, I, for me, it's a personality trait. You know, it's who I am. So I can't give you a definition as to why it happens. I mean, I'm not reading motivational books all the time or listening to life coaches that just fire me up. But it's just who I am. So it's just my personality type. Just like there's people who are just very funny. You can't really ask, hey, why are you funny? You know, <laughs> I don't know if they would have an answer for you. Like, because I put words together very well. I like, you know, <laughs> hey, why do you sing good? Because I, I practice. You know what I mean? It, it's just, it's something that you're born with. Or at least for me, I think that something that I'm born with is something who I am. Now, are there days when I'm not motivated or where I fall behind or I just don't feel like it? Absolutely. Those days happen all the time. And there's a difference between being motivated and having inspiration and being consistent because there are going to be days when you are not motivated. There's going to be days where you don't have the inspiration, but you have to rely on 
consistency. You have to rely on the fact that this is what you do and this is what you need to do, despite you not wanting to do it to get to where you want to be. So, you know, it's raining. My car has a flat. I can very easily just decide to stay home. You have to find a way because you know that you showing up and doing whatever you are supposed to do is going to help you in your trajectory to wherever you want to be. That's where your consistency is going to have to rely on. So I'm consistent with the work I do. Whatever I decide to do, whatever I have agreed to do, I do it to the best of my ability because I know that it's going to change someone's life. It's going to motivate somebody in a new way. And that opportunity is going to come back to me again because of the quality of work I do. So understanding that what I'm doing now is not for the present, but it's for the future, I guess would be one way in which I am motivated to stay on top of my game. Right. I love that. You can't teach someone to have a personality like that. You either have it or you don't. (laughs) But you're a fitness and wellness coach. So when you have your clients, you're giving them obviously fitness trainings, but Are you also doing motivation or do you even help with meal plans? Yep. Great question. So when it comes to motivation, when it comes to just understanding who they are and how I can help them outside of fitness, specifically, personally, that's where I pride myself in. Understanding that that one hour that you spend with me, that hour and a half, that 45 minutes, whatever the case is, is not going to solve all of your life's issues, right? There's so much more to who we are as people outside of our athletics, outside of our movement, outside of whatever workouts we're doing. Now, when it comes to nutrition, when it comes to things that I am not a professional in, I leave that for the professionals. I pride myself in movement and I do that very well and motivating. I do that very well and just connecting with humans. That's where I pride myself on. Now, there's other coaches that are amazing yogis. And if somebody needs more stretching, flexibility, or that type of zen in their life, that's what I'm going to direct them towards. And same thing, if there's somebody who needs help in nutrition and meal planning, because that's not my wheelhouse, because I'm not a nutritionist, because I'm not a dietitian, I am not going to claim to be and not get the person the help that they deserve, which is the highest quality. So I'm going to refer that out. So I'm a firm believer that we should all do what we do and do it to the best of our abilities, as opposed to being a master of all trades. We should try to find our way to really make an impact in whatever we're most passionate about so that we can do true and honest service to whoever we're looking to help. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just trying to do too many things and you're not going to do your thing as good as you could if you weren't doing all these extra. Yeah. A lot of trainers, especially in the beginning of their careers, they feel like they need to do it all. The whole intent is I have to keep my client in-house. If they don't get it all from me, they're going to leave me and go somewhere else, right? So that's the concern. That's the scare. Whereas if you just focus on what you're doing really, really well, and nobody else can do it at the level in which you do it, you should have no concerns. And if that person does leave you because your price is too high or because somebody else can do it all, well, those aren't the clients that you're supposed to have. Those aren't the clients that you want to have. So, you know, understanding and relying on your strength is what differentiates you from others. Having that confidence, it speaks volumes, even when you don't think it does. It's funny because we've been talking now for a little while, but I still keep thinking back to how you introduced yourself because you just said so many things. So I had like so many thoughts in my head that I wanted to ask about, but I am wondering because you obviously talked a little bit now about how you grew up playing football. You played football in college and when you turned to boxing, it was really to fill that void. So when you were first explaining kind of what you were looking for, like something where you didn't really need much equipment, that it would still have that competitive aspect and everything like that. I was thinking in my head about running just because I'm a runner. And I felt like a lot of that is why I love running. I really do love the competitive nature of it, not just with other people in races, but with myself as well and beating my last time and everything like that. But then you said you were looking for contact, which obviously is not running. But I'm curious about if you miss the team aspect of football, because it doesn't seem like you have in the things that you do now. Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. And, you know, it's interesting because when I watch sports, when I watch The Last Dance, the documentary on the Chicago Bulls, when I watch the NBA bubble and all that's going on in Orlando where they're looking to play basketball and continue playing for the playoffs, as I watch the NFL and the NCAA getting ready to kick off their football season, if they kick off their seasons, and just being able to see the camaraderie between teammates, the camaraderie between people who come from very different walks of life, very different cities, you know, very polarizing in America's definition, but they come together for a common goal. And all of their differences really don't matter. Their coaches are very different from the players, players different from the coaches, players different from each other, coaches different from each other, the organization is in another country, it's owned by this person, that 
all of their differences don't matter because their one and only goal is to succeed as a team. And they have to work in ways where they have to check their egos, they have to put their pride to the side, and they have to find a way to come together in a unified fashion for the common good. And, and there's a lot that goes into that. There's a lot of a bond that's built. There's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, for the use of that analogy, that goes into being successful and having those experiences. And even when you lose, and even when you lose badly, there's that hand around the shoulder. There's that pat on the back. There's that we're going to get them next time. There's that feel that resonates to real life, that you're going to win some and you're going to lose some. And it's the people that are by your side that you decide to call brothers and sisters that are going to hold you up and that are going to elevate you and that are going to be your friends and that are going to be your support system and that you don't have to go through this alone. So yes, that is very much a missed feeling, a missed sensation. And then there's all the small nuances too, the bus rides, the plane rides, the words that you exchange in the locker room, the feeling of having a teammate graduate. And you know now it's a new group of rising athletes and the, the feeling of having new athletes come in. And now they're your mentees, if you will, coming into the program. So there's different sensations, different feels. And then there's a time in your life that is very unique and that you'll never get back, but it's very special too. So having that the smell of the air, of the grass, on a summer day as you're going out to practice, the sound of the crowd as you're walking out from the tunnel, getting ready to play the first football game in the fall. Like, you know, all those small nuances are there. They will last a lifetime. And it's a unique fraternity. Any athlete knows that if you play a sport, man or woman, or winter sport or fall sport, summer sport, what doesn't matter, you get it. You just have that understanding of what it's like to play on a team and to have those experiences. And you wish that your children can have it. And you wish that other boys and girls can experience those things because they're life-changing and they help out so much in development. Yeah. Right. Do you think that coaching football could be in the cards for you in the future? I love the sport of football. Football has done everything that I needed it to do for me. Do I still watch football? Absolutely. Would I coach football? That's a tough one. More than likely not because it requires so much work. And I remember the coaches specifically didn't see the families. And, you know, when you're coaching, that's your job. And your job is to win. And to win, you have to sacrifice. And sacrifice means a lot of time away from your family, away from your friends, a lot of time watching film, developing and, and coaching young men to be better, not only as athletes, but as men, and working with the team in very exhausting regards. And uh, I don't have a desire to do that. I have a desire to spend time with my family, to watch my kids grow up. I have a desire to do all of those dad things that require me to be present. So I'll be glad to help out kids in another way, but coaching football just could be. No, definitely. That's so true about the amount of time that goes into that. And it's funny, as you were saying, like watching sports documentaries or sports movies really makes you miss that aspect. Like I'll watch a college football movie and be like, I wish I was a college football player. This this camaraderie is great. <laughs> we're talking a little bit more about your personal life. I think this would be a good time to transition into our more rapid fire questions that are about getting to know you a little bit better. So we've heard about your career, but now we have some fun questions to get to know you. So Harley, right. do you want to kick it off? Yes. So we haven't talked much about this, but what is one must-have quality for you and a significant other? Well, so in my significant other, because <laughs> we're going to rephrase that question. Yeah, <laughs> what did your fiance need to have? <laughs> <laughs> he had to be caring. So she's a perfect opposite of who I am. Opposite, I wouldn't even say opposite. She's a perfect complement to who I am. And I feel like I compliment her very well. So where I lack, and like we talked about earlier, and just understanding emotion, communication, and just being a better man, she drives me to do that. And sometimes it's forcefully. Sometimes I'm kicking and screaming as she drives. <laughs> but when I look back at it, I'm appreciative of all she is and, and all she is, will be. So yeah, so she just had to be my compliment and to pick up the slack where I lack. How long have you guys been together, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, yeah, we've been together for four years. Engaged since February and getting married next month. Wow, oh, wow. congratulations. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you very much. We're excited. Yeah, that's awesome. Are you having the wedding that you planned on having? I don't think anybody's doing anything. That you right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so not necessarily the wedding we plan on having, but it is the wedding that we're most excited about. It's going to be small, of course. And it's going to be very intimate, but we are so 
excited to share it with our close, close family. And the day is going to be amazing. It's going to be a blessed day. It's going to be fun. All of the preparation was stress-free, thank God. And uh, it just allows it to be a more worthwhile experience, we feel. Yeah, that's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so much. This is a bit of a lighter question coming out of that one, but what is one food you can't live without? One food, I wouldn't even call it a food. It would be a candy. I'm going to go And my vice are Lifesaver gummies. Oh. Anyone me knows <laughs> that I love Lifesaver gummies. They are delicious. I can eat a whole bag in one sitting. I don't recommend anybody else do that, though. Um, but <laughs> my, my weakness, my kryptonite, if you will. How often do you have them? You know what? Not as frequently as I used to before. Before, I would have, like, a bag a week. You know, nothing crazy. You know, still a good amount of candy. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, I'm, I'm burning it off fairly regularly. But uh, now I haven't had one in maybe like a month. Oh, so wow. I'm not having them as frequently as I used to. I may go and get one after this podcast. FYI. Yeah, now that we brought it up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> do you think a lot about what you eat? I do and I don't. I think about it in the sense of, okay, what am I going to eat today? And how can I make it the healthiest choice possible? I don't think a lot about what I'm going to eat because I'm not necessarily stacking up on burgers and pizza and fries and all of that on a daily basis. Do I have burgers and pizzas and fries? Absolutely. Do I eat candy? I sure do. Do I do it sparingly? That's the key. So the things that I'm eating are healthier. I am not a nut for being on a perfectly balanced diet, at least not right now. If I was training for something, that would be a different thing. If I had a photo shoot coming up and I was trying to look a certain way or while I was boxing and I had to be a certain weight, all of that was very, very much necessary. But I'm not the stickler for what I'm eating. If I'm out at a barbecue, I'm going to enjoy myself. If I'm celebrating a birthday or some type of engagement, I'm going to be there and enjoy myself. But if it's a day-to-day thing, you know, enjoy yourself, but make sure you're doing that occasionally as opposed to making it the normal. Yeah, that's kind of how we think about it too. Like, don't stress about it. Don't be too crazy about it. Unless like similar to what you said, if I was training for a race, then I would be thinking about it a lot more and be a little bit more mindful. Do you drink alcohol? I do. (laughs) I'm always just curious to know these things about people that are like super fit and really in the fitness scene. Yeah, absolutely. So again, I drink alcohol, but I'm not having shots every night. (laughs) And I'm not, you know, I, and like some people enjoy a glass of wine every night. I don't drink that frequently. If I do drink, it's probably once every two weeks, once every three weeks, you know, and it's something more than likely social. So, you know, that's just who I am. You know, I don't really care for hangovers. I had a couple Mm -hmm. of those while I was in college and I don't really like want to take myself to that brink, nor do I think my body even allows me to have more of it just a little bit. So, you know, everything in, in moderation, everything sparingly, and I think you'll be in a better place than not. Right. Wow. Your last hangover was in college. <laughs> I didn't say that. I just said that. I learned that it wasn't enjoyable. <laughs> what advice would you give to yourself 10 years ago? What advice? That's a good question. I would tell young Giddy to keep going. Um, you know, to, to keep going. It's so hard for me to answer questions like that because I feel that all that I've done, all the wins, all the losses, all the successes, all the mistakes really like help me become better. And they help shape me, they help form me. And if I tell myself the secret, or if I tell myself not to do certain things, then I won't have that chance to actually grow and develop. If I give myself the answer on a silver platter, well then, you know, how enjoyable would the journey have been if it was a smooth road? You know, there's this one adage where no one ever climbed a smooth mountain. Right. If it was smooth, if it was easy, you can't get to the top. You just slide down to the bottom. Right. So you have to have the ups and downs. You have to have the cliffs, the chips. You know, you have to have all of that in order for you to get footing and to make your way to the top. So I'm still alive. I'm still kicking. So that means something worked. So I would just tell a younger version of me to keep going. Yeah. I love that. And we've had similar conversations, like even on this podcast, advice to ourselves 10 years ago or relationship advice. And I always think that I really value those experiences, even if they were pretty bad or learning experiences, you need those. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing, like when you get burned as a kid, when you touch the stove and you're not supposed to, you don't do that again, do you? Negative experience taught you very quickly what not to do. When you ignored those red flags in a significant other and that relationship ended, well, guess what? You know what a red flag now looks like. Oh, we have a whole episode about that. All right. (laughs) 
So the thing is, you learn from your experiences. If you do it right, you learn from it and you don't repeat it. But the thing is, you have to have that opportunity to learn. So I think a lot of people think of setbacks, whether it be in fitness or otherwise, they think of setbacks as the end. Like, how could I be so stupid? How could I do No, you were being a human. You were being vulnerable. You made a mistake. Now, how do we respond? How do we overcome it? And how do we learn from what just happened so it doesn't repeat itself again and that we become better as a result? Right. On a similar note, what is your proudest moment? Proudest moment. I have a couple of those. A couple of my proudest moments. One is winning the Chicago Golden Gloves Boxing Championship because I wasn't supposed to. Again, being an older guy competing against these young whippersnappers who've been boxing for a long time. (laughs) That's just not what's supposed to happen at my age. So that's one thing that I'm very, very proud of. I'll never forget. Another is winning the Men's Health Next Top Trainer competition and coming out with my own DVD. Yeah, we didn't even talk about that. That is so cool. Thank you. Thank you. So Men's Health, you know, they're the largest men's fitness brand in the world. And essentially, I served as a contributor for them. They came out with my own fitness project, which they backed and shipped out all over the world. So being able to come into a career that I had no experience in, no training, no education in, and be able to wow the largest men's fitness brand in the world to a point that they signed me as a contributor and put out my project and backed me for a number of years is something that I'm forever grateful for and certainly blessed to have experienced. Yeah, so those are the two things that I really am happy about and proud of. And, you know, hopefully that's just the, the tip of the iceberg. I'm sure that's it awesome. is. So I want you to tell everyone where to find you. And when you do that, can you talk a little bit about the conversations that you've been having on your Instagram account? Yeah, sure. Be glad to. So you can find me on most social media platforms at Get Fit with Giddy. First, let me give you my website. It's gideonakande.com, G-I-D-E-O-N-A-K-A-N-D-E, gideonakande.com, where I'm also hosting live and free on-demand bodyweight workouts. So If anybody wants to join me, I'm in Chicago, Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 6 p.m., or you can find the schedule on my website. And I'm hosting those workouts with a pay-what-you-can model. So if you don't have a dollar, that's completely fine. You can join me online, or you can uh, join us in person. That's fine. If you want to donate 5 bucks or 10 bucks or 15 bucks or 20 bucks, whatever you want, it's cool. I just want people to keep moving and keep that mental sanity despite everything else that's going on in the world. And then on Instagram, my handle is Get Fit with Giddy. Also, same for YouTube, Get Fit with Giddy. And then on Facebook, it's Gideon Akande, Fitness and Wellness Coach. And then to answer your question, yes, on Instagram, I've been having a series of conversations with a number of my Black brothers and Black sisters on just what the climate is in America and what their experiences are and where their concerns are and what their hopes are for the future. Those conversations are so necessary and and so powerful, not only for those who listen, but specifically for me and whoever that person is. We need to have those outlets to speak. We need to have those outlets to share and those outlets to vent. And during those conversations, I felt that it was very therapeutic for me because these are a lot of conversations that I necessarily don't have. Number one, because I'm not the best communicator in the world. And I know I hold on to a lot of stuff. I'll be the first person to tell you that. And on top of that, I don't know if it's the stigma of men not sharing their feelings or even on top of that, black men not being the most emotional or being able to convey how they feel. So I wanted to, regardless of what anyone else thought, share my thoughts, have conversations with black brothers and black sisters that I know personally on what they're feeling and going through so that we can get that out, but also give a forum and an opportunity for those who are listening in to learn something, learn something that they may not have known, to share in what our grief is, to be able to develop empathy and have sympathy based off of what they may not have understood our situation to be. And during those conversations, they were live Instagram conversations. I turned off the comments so that we weren't distracted by what other people had to say so people could interject what they felt but more so had to listen. And I think we all gain so much more when we listen to others as opposed to telling others how we feel and hopefully grow from that. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really cool that you're doing that. And it's just really important to have those conversations and to have the conversations, but also to listen. I wish we talked more about this. (laughs) And for everyone listening now, they're all, I believe they're all saved on your Instagram, the IGTV. I've watched a couple of them, but there's a few on there. Are you still doing them? I'm not at the moment, but I do plan on continuing the conversation. And I also want to find ways in which I can continue to share my love and my passion for fitness, but also intertwine what's going on in the world and how we can tie fitness with 
social causes and how we can support anybody and everybody who needs that at any given time through fitness. So that's another initiative that I have as a professional. Yeah, well, I'm confident that you'll figure out a way to do it. (laughs) Thank you. I'm excited for it. Well, thank you so much. This was great. And we will link everything in the show notes, your website and all of your social media platforms. So we just want to say thank you for having this conversation with us. It was great. Thank you both, Mia, Carly. I appreciate this time. And hopefully the uh, listeners enjoyed. Yes, Yes, this was so fun. Work out soon. I look forward to it. Can't wait to have you. Yes. Thanks, Gideon. This was great. Thank you, ladies. I appreciate it. Talk to you both very soon. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, find us on Instagram at mostly underscore balance. And if you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a rating and review on iTunes and tune in next week for another great guest.